Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. <laughs> hey, Jewel. Hello. How are things? Uh, things are good. That's, we <laughs> didn't sound convincing. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything's great. Great. I, I see you got a big computer in front of you. <laughs> Yeah, my little computer didn't have enough power for this episode, so oh my I had to borrow one oh my from God. someone else who resides in the house in which I live. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you again last week for your, um, Kim, for your Kardashians episode. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm sure everybody is just raving about it still. Raving. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of, uh, I've been getting a lot of tweets saying thank you. Oh, oh yes. I've been getting a lot of tweets saying People are mailing hell? you, um, bottles of perfume. <laughs> yes. KKW like, body. There are so many, like one fourth size <laughs> bodies of Kim Kardashian around my home. It's, it's disturbing. Disturbing. It's disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> this headless torsos floating around oh, my home. Man. So you mentioned that that was a topic that had come up on confetti yes. to prevent us from winning Zuck Bucks sometimes. Exactly. So along that same line, the, oh. a problem I've had and I and really all of us yeah. is things that have to do with the billboard charts oh, for yeah. some reason. Who pays attention to that? Well, a lot of people do, I apparently. So. <laughs> um, a lot of people have like memorized these things or oh, something. Wow. So I wanted to take a deeper dive into just what the heck are the billboard charts? That's great. Why do we have so many dang trivia questions about them? Yeah, what the hell? And then talk about some of the hit songs and artists and albums that have broken records, which seem ripe for trivia purposes. I love it. So today we are topping the Billboard charts. All right. Mm. The Billboard charts. Billboard is in italics because that's the name of a magazine. Oh, okay. So it's not just like the thing on the side of the road, billboard. I see. It's okay. not just like a colloquial reference. It's an actual name of a publication, billboard. Billboard. So the billboard charts tabulate the relative weekly popularity of songs and albums in the U.S. and abroad. The results are published in Billboard magazine and the Billboard website provides additional weekly charts. And there are also year-end charts, which, sure. you know, as we approach the end of the year and things like Mr. Worldwide's rockin' <laughs> New Year's Eve. He you didn't might have it last year and I was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, the charts can be ranked according to sales, streams, or airplay. Mm. And for main song charts, such as the Hot 100 song chart, all three pools of data that they have pulled together are used to compile the charts. And we'll talk about these specific charts in a bit. Mm. So a little bit of background. On January 4th, 1936, Billboard magazine published its very first music hit parade. Um, their first music popularity chart was calculated in July 1940. A variety of song charts followed, and they eventually consolidated into the Hot 100 by mid-1958. The very first number one song on the Hot 100 okay. was the song Poor Little Fool by Ricky Nelson. I okay, I, d I think I have heard of Ricky Nelson. Poor little fool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a fool. <laughs> that song, Ricky Nelson, Poor Little Fool, number one 
The first song, one. The very first number one song. Okay. So the Hot 100 currently combines single sales, radio airplay, digital downloads, and streaming activity, including data from YouTube. Oh. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's interesting. All the Billboard charts use this basic formula, but what separates the charts is which stations and stores are used. Each musical genre has a core audience or retail group, and each genre's department at Billboard is headed up by a chart manager who makes these determinations. Of course. Originally, Billboard had separate charts for different measures of popularity, including jukebox song selection. That ended in 1957. Disc jockey playings, which ended in 1958, and best-selling records in retail stores, which also ended in 1958. A composite standing chart that can Combined, these gradually grew to become the top 100, the predecessor to the current Hot 100 chart. Billboard publishes many different charts, with the Hot 100 and Billboard 200 being the most famous. I will talk more about those in a minute. Um, Billboard also has charts for rock, country, dance, bluegrass, jazz, classical, R&B, rap, electronic, pop, Latin, Christian, and comedy albums. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, At the end of each year, Billboard tallies the results of all of its charts, and the results are published in a year-end issue and heard on year-end editions of its American Top 40 and American Country Countdown radio broadcasts. For many years, a song had to be commercially available as a single to be considered for any of the Billboard charts. Um, And Billboard obtained this data from manual reports filled out by radio stations and stores. According to the 50th anniversary issue of Billboard, prior to the official implementation of Nielsen sound scan tracking in November 1991, many radio stations and retail stores removed songs from their manual reports after the associated record labels stopped promoting a particular single. So some songs fell quickly after peaking and had shorter chart lives than maybe they should have. Okay. Um, in 1990, the country singles chart was the first to use Nielsen sound scan and broadcast data systems to actually track song plays on radio, television, and now the internet using a patented digital pattern recognition technology. Oh my gosh. Um, So these systems began to be implemented for the Hot 100 and the R&B chart in 1991, but today all of the Billboard charts use this technology. Before September 1995, singles were allowed to chart in the week they first went on sale based on airplay points alone. Okay, here's where we get complicated. Okay. The policy was changed in September 1995 to allow a single to debut after a full week of sales on combined sales and airplay points. So this allowed several tracks to debut at number one. In December 1998, the policy was further modified to allow tracks to chart based on airplay alone without a commercial release. And this change was made to reflect the changing realities of the music business. So various substantial radio and MTV hits had not appeared in the Billboard chart at all because many major labels chose not to release their songs as standalone singles, hoping that their unavailability as singles would cause greater album sales. I see. So kind of they're like... They were shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like like in the 90s, especially like MTV popular things, like when grunge started to come out and hip hop kind of like really exploded, a lot of those songs weren't released as singles. And so then they weren't included on these types of charts. Mm -hmm, So they didn't count. So that's why. So this is my theory. Mm -hmm. So that's why when we're like, why wasn't that a number one? That was like the biggest song that year. I remember like Mm -hmm. I was in high school or I was in like middle school or whatever. Yes. It's because of this system because it was released on as an album and it wasn't released as a single. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, but now commercial release is not required for a single to chart. So basically like if somebody decides this is going to be your hit song off the next album, it doesn't matter that you didn't make that available as a standalone single, a single Remember? Like a single. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this started when was that? You said 1998? Um, so yeah, that was in, in 1998. They 
modified the policy to allow tracks to chart based on airplay alone without a commercial release. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good to know. So the top categories that um, Billboard cares about. Okay. (laughs) The Billboard Hot 100. This is the one you'll probably hear the most frequently. So the Hot 100 is the music industry standard record chart in the U.S. for songs published weekly by Billboard magazine. Chart rankings are based on sales, both physical and digital, uh, radio play, and online streaming in the U.S. The Billboard Hot 100 is still the standard by which a song's popularity is measured in the U.S. Okay. Okay. The phrase top 40 dates back to the early 1950s before the Hot 100 existed. But nowadays, when Americans refer to the top 40, like a popular list of songs, um, generally they're referring to the first 40 songs on the Hot 100. Okay. So when you hear like top 40 countdown, it's actually the top 40 ranked on the Hot 100. Okay. So top 40 is not like a separate list. No. It's just the top 40 of the Billboard yes. Hot 100. Great. Yes. So um, if a song is understood to have missed the top 40, that means it peaked on the Hot 100 at number 41 or below. I see. Uh, for more than 20 years, the national syndicated program American Top 40 with Casey Kasem did actually count down the top 40 of the Hot 100. But after a host change in 1981 mm-hmm. and in response to longtime station complaints about edgier hits making the charts, um, American Top 40 switched to other more radio-centric charts for its data, like their secret Secret, secret charts. Oh. Um, the current edition of AT40, as it's called, is hosted by Ryan Seacrest, and it uses an unpublished chart with no direct relationship to Billboard's Hot 100. So now if you're listening to America's Top 40, that that's particular radio broadcast has nothing to do with the Hot 100. Okay. Billboard. So it's just some list that they could be arbitrary. Yeah. That they We just... like this song a lot this week. Uh, I see. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So for both record-keeping and magazine-selling purposes, Billboard publishes its charts with a date in the future, even though the data is from the recent past. So since 2015, the weekly sales and streams chart are monitored on a Friday to Thursday cycle, and radio airplay songs follow a Monday to Sunday cycle. The charts are released each Tuesday with an issue date the following Saturday, four days later. So if they released a chart this week on Tuesday, it would be published with this coming Saturday's date on it, but actually refers to music that happened one and a half to one week ago. Oh my gosh. What? (laughs) So basically when people were like, the number one song on your birthday was this. It's not true. It wasn't necessarily true. (gasps) They're talking about older data with a, with a like um, future date on it. Oh my God. Post date. That's it. Like post dating a check. Oh my gosh. My, My whole life is a lie. Yeah. Yeah, according to the internet, the number one song on my birthday was Tina Turner's um, What's Love Got to Do do With It? Which is a great song. Yeah. But I don't know. But it might not have actually been number one on on my birthday. I got to look up mine. Anyway, keep talking. (laughs) The Billboard 200. Okay. Okay. This is the record chart that ranks the 200 most popular music albums and EPs in the United States. Okay. So the Hot 100 is single songs. The Billboard 200 is albums. Albums. Okay, good um, It's published weekly by Billboard magazine and frequently used to convey the popularity of an artist or groups of artists. Um, often a recording act will be remembered by its number ones, those of their albums that outperformed all others during at least one week. Uh, the chart grew from a weekly top 10 list in 1956 to become a top 200 in May 1967 and acquired its present title in March 1992. So um, there were some previous names for the same exact chart, including the Billboard Top EP, Top LPs, Billboard Top LPs and Tape, Billboard Top 200 Albums, and Billboard Top Pop Albums. But it's, it's to say. the Billboard 200. 
Billboard 200. Got it. And then also, there's the Artist 100. Oh, my god! The Artist 100 blends information called from album sales, track sales, radio airplay, streaming, and social media fan interaction to oh. provide a weekly multi-dimensional ranking of an artist's popularity across all the main means of music consumption. And this was established in 2014. So it's like oh, okay. the newest chart that they actually care about. So it's kind of like a popularity chart, it, really. Yeah, literally. Like more yeah. so necessarily than like, oh, your song is playing n- number one in all of these different areas. It's like, well, Ariana Grande has more social media followers than Yeah, exactly. This She's person. the one that people are talking mm-hmm. about this week as opposed yes. to listening to her song. Yes. Necessarily. Yeah. So the Artist 100 is kind of like a popularity chart. Okay. So no one's getting an award for that. It's just kind of like a... Right. I get yep. it. Okay. okay. Interesting. So records and stuff we apparently need to know. Okay. Hit me. All right. The top 10 songs of all time. Ooh. Okay. okay. In 2008, for the 50th anniversary of the Hot 100, Billboard magazine compiled a ranking of the 100 best performing songs on the chart over the 50 years, along with the best performing artists. They revised it again in 2013 and 2015, followed by yet another for the 60th anniversary this year in 2018. Okay. These are the current 2018 rankings. Your top 10 songs of all time counting down from 10 to 1. All right? <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. Counting down from 10 to 1. Number 10, most popular song of all time, comes in at you from 1981. We got really? Olivia Newton-John's physical. physical. Have you ever seen the music video for this? It is disturbing. It's bad. I hope these people made a lot of money. It's because it's like it's humiliating. Yes, <laughs> and it's low budget. It's very oh, bad. so like it's yeah, it's like a, a steady like someone was just holding a camcorder <laughs> in this like black tiled room. Oh, it's so Ugh. bad. But anyway, according to everything, it is the number 10 most popular song of all time on the Billboard 100. Good for you. Um, Coming from you, number nine, a recent recent hit from 2017. Really? We got Ed Sheeran's Shape of You. I know you have an irrational hatred of Ed Sheeran. Look, he's got a weird face. (laughs) And... This song sucks so much. <laughs> flames, 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 flames on the side well, of my face. Well, you're not going to be happy later. Oh, but Lord. anyway, Shape of You, Ed Sheeran, number nine. Okay. All right. Number eight. We all know. We all know and we all love for coming at you from 1996. Oh, we got the Bayside Boys remix of Macarena by La Del Rio. I- yep. So I watched this video recently <laughs> in preparation for this episode. God and bless you. Oh, man. The tiny eyebrows and the pink mm. eyeshadow and the tube tops and the pleather yes. plastic skirts and the high chunk shoes. Like, this is all, like, right before Spice Girls. Yes. Like, every outfit you can imagine from the Spice Girls, make it trashier. And that was the Macarena oh, video. That song was everywhere. Pervasive. It was everywhere. Everywhere. I have a distinct memory of leaving my parents' friend's house, the uh, the Martins, and Loretta Martin standing at the bottom of the of their driveway and saying goodbye to us and then immediately just launching into the Macarena <gasps> as we drove away. Oh no. It is like she in, was like it's an <laughs> indelible mark. <laughs> oh my gosh. Poor poor Loretta. Poor Loretta. Loretta. <laughs> All right. Uh, number seven, I can't stand this song from 2009. We got the Black Eyed Peas. I, I got a feeling. I hate this song. 
It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it still, still pops is. Up, still pops up at weddings. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that I have been to a wedding recently, not mine, because I put it on my do not playlist <laughs> that I got a feeling was on that playlist for that wedding. Yep. Everywhere. Well, other songs that are everywhere that are terrible. <laughs> um, from 2011, we have this gem. Party Rock Anthem with Lauren Bennett and Goon Rock. Goon Goon Rock. (laughs) That's someone that is featured in this song. Sure. Because, you know, Goon Rock is everywhere now. (laughs) You can't go two steps down the street without hearing his name. His name? Her name? Their name? Goon Rock a... Is a person? I'm kind of picturing Goon Rock as like a slime blob. Yeah. You know what? That's I don't know. It. That's canon now. <laughs> it's canon. It doesn't matter what Goon Rock is. He's a slime Ooh. It's a slime producer. Yep. All right. So, yeah, it's funny to me that, like, some of these more recent songs have become uh, among the top 10 ranked songs of all time. Yeah, of all time. Of all time. Um, but this one, 1997, you didn't. You didn't get through middle school without dancing to this song. What number is this? This is uh, our, our ranked number five of all time, okay. 1997. Leanne Rhymes. How oh do I live gosh. without you? How do I live? Question mark. How do I live? Question I'm mark. guilty of always overtitling my songs from our trivia, but this is How I Do I Live? How Do I Live? <laughs> By Leanne Rhymes, 1997. It sounds like something you would say to yourself after you drop something in the kitchen. Like, what? How do I live? How do I live? um number four shows up at the gym all the time it's from 2015 still a bop mark ronson featuring bruno mars uptown funk i drunkenly danced to this on my 30th birthday and i regret nothing (laughs) don't believe me just watch hello we did a lot of like gym routines to this. We did a lot of like very fast gym routines where we were squatting on beat oh, and that was yeah. uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Um, you know what else is not uncomfortable? <laughs> you know what else is uncomfortable? These are flawless transitions. Question by the way. number. Nope. No. <laughs> see, I see a number. I think it's a, I know, question. it's a question. What else is uncomfortable is the third top 10 song of all time. Number three of all time from 1959. Uh Oh, Bobby Darren's Mac the Knife. You know what? Round a corner. I, great song. Could that I mean, I probably be Mac the knife. couldn't identify it. Like if you said, sing me Mac the Knife right now, I couldn't do oh, that. Oh, no, this is like, this is classic, like um, jazzy, like dinner music. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember, like, reading in the past that, like, Mac the Knife was, like, one of the most popular songs of all time. And I'm like, I don't... Is Mac a guy? Is it an actual pocket knife named Mac? Is it... Are you doing... Is the... Is is verb... Is Mac the verb? Are you macking the knife? (laughs) Like... Like, hey, you, Mac the Knife. Oh, man, I forgot or my knife. I like, can't Mac is it. Is it like a gangster's name? I- hey, hey, it's Bobby Two Thumbs. <laughs> hey, it's Mac the Knife. Bobby Two Thumbs? <laughs> he's got two whole thumbs. That's it, though. <laughs> That's he doesn't it. have the rest of his fingers. No, he's just got two thumbs. Just a hand with two <laughs> thumbs on him. Um, no, I think it's actually a gangster's name. He's Mac okay. the Knife. I, only because I think in the song they refer to it as he's Mac the Knife. Okay. And I think it's actually like a violent song. I think he like dies at the end. I could be wrong about that. Really? <laughs> Everyone's they like really dancing. They really make it a really great yeah. like dinner music. Yeah, buttons. you're getting your your mashed potatoes <laughs> in the in the buffet line, and you're singing Mac the Knife. 
Um, our number two song of all time. Okay. 1999. Uh-oh. That's a good year. Oh Santana featuring Rob Thomas. This song, can I tell you? <laughs> I think that year I was scooping as, as a job. And I remember we had the radio on. And I, it was played so often. That one afternoon there were so many people. It was just absolutely crazy. I'm scooping ice cream and the song came on again for like the 10th uh-huh. time that day. And I literally burst into tears. I was like, I cannot <laughs> listen to this song again. Like I had an emotional well, reaction to it. It's been played so many times that it's the number two song number of two all song. time. Oh my God. And then number one, not, you know what? Number one, not bad. Okay. Okay. Lay it Mainstay on me. Mainstay at weddings, etc. From 1960, we got Chubby Checker and the Twist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Every white guy can do this stuff. Yeah. Easiest dance to do. Easiest dance to do. I think, it's, I think it holds up. It holds up. It's still got It's got a great horn line. You can still dance to it. You don't yeah. have to do the twist when you're yeah. dancing to it. Yeah, Chubby Checker's got a great voice. Yeah. I love it. Number Done. one song of all time, Chubby Checker, The Twist. All right? Great. So, now I know. Out of everything on that list... It could have been worse. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <sighs> here's here's the fun part. Oh boy. Getting into some song records. Okay. Okay. Great. The most weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. For 16 weeks. Oh my god. In 1995 and 1996, you got to experience this song. Mariah Carey, Boys to Men. Can I tell you, when this song comes on the radio, I will do my best Mariah Carey, Meliasma, like... Oh, yeah. I'll slow dance to this tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so for 16 weeks, top of the charts, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, One Sweet Day. But also with 16 weeks... Another recent hit. Okay. 2017. Louis Fonsi, Daddy Yankee. Oh, and my Bieber. God. Yeah, this was a... Weeks. This was a monster song. It was everywhere. I would leave a store that had just played Despacito and hear a car blasting it as it drove by me. Like, that's how pervasive Despacito was. <laughs> yes. Still bops. So yeah, those are the the highest sixteen weeks in a row. Mariah Carey, Boys Spend One Sweet Day, and Louis Fonsi, Daddy Yankee, Justin Bieber, Despacito. All right. Okay. Fourteen weeks. Now okay. we got some good songs on this list for fourteen weeks. All right. I like we it. have a lot, a lot tied for fourteen weeks. Okay. okay. I can see that. But this is fun. All right. Nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety three. Oh yes. Whitney Houston. I will always love you. Oh my. It's a good um, karaoke song, Ooh, but only for pe- but only for people who can sing. Seems like an awful karaoke song. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't do karaoke. Uh, the following year, 1994, we get another Boys to Men hit. This was definitely played at like seventh and eighth grade dances and should not have been. No, absolutely not. Happening I here. was nine. Like I didn't know what any of that meant. Shame on me for listening to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1996, again, Macarena. So that, so that was 14 weeks at the top. 
Okay. Um, nineteen ninety-seven. Very sad song. Elton John's "Candles oh. in the Wind." Nineteen ninety-seven. That was so sad. I remember like hearing the reports the day that she died. Yes, like on the radio. Like, I we saw were, like paper getting ready for church that morning. Yes, and heard it on the radio. This, Same. if you don't know, this song is about Princess Diana. Oh yeah, and her death. Because <laughs> they were very close friends. Yes, too. they were. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, also, 14 weeks. Another Mariah Carey song. She's all over this chart. By the way, she is. Mariah Carey, 2005. We belong together. Yeah, good song. Work. So good. Yeah. Mariah Carey everywhere. Um, n- 2009, I Got a Feeling Black Eyed Peas was there for 14 weeks. Thank and you for not in playing 2015, it again. I'm not going to, if I've already played it once, I'm not playing it again. Okay, Don't worry. Great, thank you. <laughs> um, and in 2015, Mark Ronson with Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk. That was another 14 weeks. So good great. The most weeks at number two without hitting <laughs> number one. Oh, that's sad. This is sad. Um, for 10 weeks at number two in 1981, 1982, we had. Foreigner. Oh my goodness. For Waiting for a girl like, like you. I think a foreigner is always surprised me. Never arrived. Didn't make it. Um, so they were held off from the number one spot. Okay. By Olivia Newton-John's physical and Hollow Notes's "I Can't Go for That." Oh well, that's a great song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't go for that. I, oof. I mean, you get it in your head and you got a good day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, 10 weeks at number two, Missy Elliott's Work It. Oh, really? Yeah. That song was so good. Yeah, it was held off by Eminem's Lose Yourself. Okay. Okay. And then right behind that, nine weeks at number two, and this song should have made it to number one. Okay. okay. 1996, and one hit wonder, Donna Lewis. You always forever. Oh my god, as a young teen, I was obsessed with the song and her baby voice and the the rolling backbeat. Oh my god. Yes, I love this song so much. It's a great song. Never made it to number one though. That's too bad. I think she was Australian. Oh. I think. Okay. Yeah. So that was held off by the Macarena. Of course. Yeah. And then the other one that was there at nine weeks was Shania Twain's You're Still the One. Oh, in 1998. Yeah. That wow. was held off by Too Close by Next and The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Ah, uh, The Boy Is Mine. All right. Most total weeks in the top 10. Okay. For 33 weeks. That's too in long. In the top 10. That's almost a year. Ed Sheeran's Shape of You in of 2017. Um, for 32 weeks. Okay. Leanne Rhymes, How Do I Live? Mm-hmm. 1997 and 1988. Also at 32 weeks in 2016-2017 is... The Chainsmokers and Halsey. Closer. This song is such a brain worm. Yeah. I'm going to have this song in my head for the rest of the day. It's that loping. Yeah. And everything rhymes really well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. And then 31 (laughs) weeks, Uptown Funk 2015. Sure. Okay. Most total weeks on the Hot 100. You cannot escape this song for 87 weeks. What? No. In That's over a year. Imagine oh Dragons. God. Radioactive. I, I, 87 weeks. This song, to be fair, loved it at first. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm into this. But then it just gets completely overplayed yes. and it makes you want to carve yes. your face off yes. with a butcher knife. It's awful. And apparently, they've, Imagine Dragons has released so many songs since then 
And sometimes we're in the car. Josh likes to say, well, most songs are Imagine Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Most songs are Imagine Dragons. (laughs) Um, For 79 weeks in 2014. Too many, too long. AWOL Nation's Sail. Oh, yeah. I remember that song. 79. Yeah, that was 79 weeks. 76 weeks in 2009. You could listen to Jason Mraz, I'm Yours. Oh, that song. 69 weeks, Leanne Rhymes, How Do I Live? And 68 weeks, Party Rock Anthem. Party Rock. Also, One Republic's Counting Stars. Oh, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that. That one. was a big mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that was big. Okay. Songs that hit number one for multiple artists. This is a good one. Okay. For trivia purposes. The Locomotion was a hit oh by Little Eva in 1962 and also Grand Funk in 1974. Grand Funk? Grand did a Funk. cover of it? Yeah. Hit number here. one. Um, in 1961, the Marvelettes had a hit with Please Mr. Postman mm, and uh-huh. also The Carpenters in 1975. I didn't know The Carpenters did a cover either. of that song. Yeah. Um, the song Venus. Oh, I'm, I'm Your Venus. Venus. Yeah. Um, that was Shocking Blue in 1970 and then Banana Rama in 1986. Yeah. Ugh. Lean On Me was hit number one for Bill Withers in 1972, yeah. followed by 1987 Club Nouveau. Yeah, that song is awful mm-hmm. yeah you keep me hanging on the supremes in 1966 okay. and also kim wilde in 1987 huh uh, when a man loves a woman that's percy sledge 1966 but also number one for michael bolton oh, in 1991 bolton. Mm. um i'll be there by the jackson five yeah 1970 and also mariah carey 1992 oh right i forgot you did cover that song and then the last one lady marmalade by labelle not patty labelle labelle just LaBelle. 1975 yep. and also the christina aguilera lil kim maya and pink in 2001 interesting tidbit about labelle mm-hmm. um that was during uh if i'm not mistaken during like the glam rock phase of yeah. a lot of bands mm-hmm. so a lot of like wild costumes and things and LaBelle performed Lady Marmalade on TV. I forgot where, what oh, right. show it was. And they were like in full glam rock getup. Oh, yeah. And that was the first time that you ever saw a, a black woman and a black woman singing an R&B song in that kind of like oh, surreal wow. glam rock getup. So that was like a big moment, like a kind of a big fashion moment and kind of a big like crossover oh, yeah. visual moment. Yeah. That must have been really neat. To yeah, see. it's cool. All right, we have some non-English language number one songs. Ooh, that's good. Okay, so this is this is fun. Some of them were only on the hit for like one week or whatever, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. They were their primary language was not English. Okay, so the first one we know it. We probably call it Volare the most. It's Nel Blue de Pinto de Blue, parentheses yep. Volare, by Domenico Modugno. He is Italian. In August 1958, it was number one for five non-consecutive weeks. Great. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> okay. Um, next is a song called Sukiyaki by Kayu Sakamoto. What? Um, he's Japanese, and this was the number one song in June 1963 for three weeks. Really? So it's all Japanese. He's apparently like um, Japan's Frank Sinatra. He was Japan's Frank Sinatra. Okay. He died in a very bad plane crash in the 80s like the like the most passengers ever died in a single oh plane crash god. was um he was on that plane oh my god so yeah. i had never heard of that song that's so probably weird. not right we don't our japanese music <laughs> isn't <laughs> that's true really, but it was number one uh, but yeah it was number one it was really popular he was uh, by all accounts a really amazing guy but Aww, that's sad um <laughs> Our, our French entry here Ooh. is called Dominique, and it's by the singing nun. 
This was um, number one for four weeks in December 1960. The, the 60s were a very weird time. <laughs> Just, all right, moving forward to ni- 1986. Okay. You know this one. This is um, a little bit of English, but mostly German. Falco and Amadeus. Yeah, he like sing raps in German. And every and everybody was like, okay, everyone was like, yes, more Amadeus. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really crazy to think about what what people stay what people did in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, also in the eighties, uh, we have in nineteen eighty seven for three weeks, um, La Bamba by Los Lobos. Oh, right. Good song. Syllabop. I would pretend like I knew how to how to samba to oh, this yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> I've discovered that like more and more I don't know words of songs anymore. And so um if you watch Shits Creek and if you don't, you should. It's, it's a great. great. Um Catherine O'Hara's character, um she's Moira amazing. Rose, she's a former actress and also professional singer. But then whenever she's like asked to s- perform for someone, she either like never learned the words to a song <laughs> or like has completely forgotten them and thinks she's singing it. Kind of like when Joey speaks French on oh, Friends. Sure. Yes. La poof, la poof. <laughs> like she'll be like, like they were like, Moira, sing Danny Boy for us. And she's like, Danny Boy, love and like that's how I am lately with sure. songs. And but that's probably what I always did with La Bamba. Yeah, and then that's fine. You got the song, like you got the melody down. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> can blend right in. Done. <laughs> um, also for 14 weeks, the Macarena. Of course. And then for 16 weeks, Despacito. Yes. Okay. Um, there have been a variety of instrumental only number ones. Oh. The past five of them. I'll just do the past five because okay. they're more recent and we should know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, for five weeks in 2013, we had the Harlem Shake, which oh I God. can't identify anymore at all. If I'm if I'm watching like an old clip of people doing that viral yeah. thing where all of a sudden everybody appears and is dancing, yeah. then I can identify the Harlem Shake. This part. Yeah. So this is the Harlem Shake by Bauer with two A's, B-A-A-U-E-R. Um, it was number one in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, 1985. Oh for one week. Okay. We have the Miami Vice theme song by Jan Hammer. Jam Hammer? Jam Hammer? Jan Hammer? Oh, it might be Jan Hammer, but it's spelled Jan. No, I like Jan Hammer. Miami Vice theme song. All right. Like, people loved it enough. This sounds like it was done entirely on a guitar. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yep. All guitar all the time. Yep. Um, in 1982, for one week. Oh, Chariots yes. of Fire. By Everyone Angeles. Right now, Lauren and I are slow motion <laughs> running. running on a beach. You have to, when you hear the song, you have to slow motion run. This is a long song, too. I, th- I think yeah. I remember looking it up at yeah. one point. It was like, <laughs> it's like 14 minutes long. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like for a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's okay, this one I didn't know. 1979, it's called Rise by Herb Alpert. Okay. Without the Tijuana Brass. 
mellow. It's very, it's very jazzy. Yeah, I like it. I feel like, ooh, no, I feel like I'm on a boat. Yes, I was gonna say I'm on a cruise ship. You're at a drinking. You're at a disco on a cruise ship. (laughs) Yes, and I'm wearing gold sequins. Just like very flowy. Yep, and I'm drinking a pina colada for some reason. So feathered. Oh, it looks so good. And also, 1977, for two weeks, this was the number one song. The Star Wars Cantina song. Are you serious? Star Wars theme slash Cantina band by Mecco. M-E-C-O. Maybe Miko, but... I mean, really. That's when, that's when we knew nerds were going to take over the world. That's when we were like, oh no, they have a lot of power. I shouldn't say they. We. We have a lot of power. And then some posthumous number one songs. Oh, okay. Um, Otis Redding died in December 1967. Sitting on the Dock of the Bay was mm-hmm. number one in March 1968. Janis Joplin, who died in October 1970. Me and Bobby McGee. Oh, yeah. Me and Bobby McGee. <laughs> Did I say that wrong the first time? No, you got it. You got it. Me and Bobby McGee was number one in March 1971. Uh, Jim Croce died in September 1973, and Time in a Bottle was number one for him in December oh, 1973. I didn't realize that, that he died before yeah. that song came out. Uh, John Lennon died December 8th, 1980, and that same month, the song Just Like Starting Over mm. was number one for him. Uh, the Notorious B.I.G., uh, he died in March 1997, but in May 1997, Hypnotize was number one. Oh, right, yeah. And then in August 1997, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Oh, that's a one. good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Soldier Slim died in November 2003, and in August 2004, Slow Motion, which was Juvenile featuring Soldier Slim, was number one. Okay. Uh, Static Major died in February 2008, and in May 2008, the song Lollipop, which was Lil Wayne featuring Static Major, was number one. Okay. And then finally, XXX Tentacion died in <laughs> June 2018, and that same month, the song Sad! Exclamation point. Number one. All right. Artists. Here are some records. Yes. The most number one singles. The Beatles have 20, followed by Elvis Presley and Mariah Carey, who both have 18. Okay. Then Rihanna has 14. Wow. Michael Jackson has 13, and 12 each for the Supremes and Madonna. Okay. Good to know. Okay. The most cumulative weeks at number one. Elvis Presley and Mariah Carey tied at 79. Okay. Followed by Rihanna with 60, the Beatles at 59, and Boys to Men with 50. Okay. Most consecutive number one hits. Whitney Houston with seven. Oh, okay. Right in a row. Boom, All boom, of boom. her like songs, they hit number one in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Then the Beatles and the Bee Gees each have six. Um, okay. And a lot, of got, a lot of people had five. Okay. Like, um, so Elvis, the Supremes, Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, and Katy Perry. Sure. Most number one singles in a calendar year. The 1964 Beatles had six. Wow. The 1965 Beatles had five. <laughs> Okay. And several people had four. So Elvis, twice in 1956-1957, the Supremes in 1965, the Jackson Five in 1970, George Michael in 1988, yes. Usher in 2004, and Rihanna in 2010. Okay. But the most ever number one singles in a calendar year were the 1964 Beatles with six. Good to know. Most top 10 singles. Here we go. Madonna with 38. Wow. Because I was like, where's Madonna on all these tracks? Yeah, of course. Okay. Madonna has had 38 top 10 singles. Not necessarily number one, but got got to the top 10. Okay. Followed by Elvis with 36, the Beatles with 34, Drake with 32, Rihanna with 31, and Michael Jackson with 30. Okay. Okay. Most consecutive weeks in the top 10. Okay. Okay. Just in the top 10. Yeah. 
Okay. Katy Perry in 2010, 2011, 69 weeks. She had five different songs in the top 10 at that point. The Chainsmokers in 2016, 2017 were in there for 61 weeks with four songs. Jeez. Drake in 2015, 2016 with 51 weeks, four songs. Son of Toronto. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about Drake. Oh, in a good, minute. good. Um, Ace of Base in 1993, 1994 with 48 weeks, just wow. three songs. And then Rihanna with 46 weeks in 2010, 2011, four songs. Interesting. Okay. Age records, artist records. Okay. Louis Armstrong is the oldest artist to top the Hot 100. He was 62 years, 279 days. <laughs> he set that record with Hello Dolly on oh, May 9th, right. 1964. And Cher is the oldest female artist to top the Hot 100. She set the record with Believe of course. on March 13th, 1999. And that was also the record for the longest gap between number one hits on the Hot 100. So her first time on the top 10 since Dark Lady in March 1974. Okay. Then 24 years, 355 days later, Believe topped the, topped the charts. So Cher was 52 years and 297 days old when wow. Believe topped the Hot that, 100. You know what? That song, it holds up. Believe? It's good. You believe love after love. Yeah, like so that. good. So yeah. good. Um, youngest records. So mm. Michael Jackson was age 11 years, 155 days, um, achieving the record as part of the Jackson 5 with I Want You Back in mm. January 1970. Okay. Stevie Wonder is the youngest solo artist to top the Hot 100. Oh. He set the record with Fingertips Part 2 Ugh. at age 13 years, 89 days in August 1963. I like that. Little Peggy March is the youngest female artist to top the 100. Uh, the song established this record was I Will Follow Him, which reached number one on April 27th, 1963. She was 15 years and 50 days old. Oh my God, she's so young. Yeah. How, where was she going to follow him? Wherever he went. Yeah, don't follow him. Yeah. You are a child. And you stay home. And you're going to love this? What? Okay. <sighs> Asad Khaled is the youngest producer to chart on the Hot 100 as an executive producer for the album Grateful by DJ Khaled. Asad Khaled <laughs> is 132 days old when yes. he yes. when he charted the Hot 100. Baby Asad! <laughs> He's so cute. The album's first single, Shining, featuring Jay-Z and Beyonce, entered the Hot 100 at number 62 on March 4th, 2017. And Asad Khaled also became the youngest producer to earn a Hot 100 number one hit at age 209 days when the album's <laughs> second single, I'm the One, featuring Justin Bieber, Quavo, Chance the Rapper, and Lil Wayne debuted atop the chart in May 2017. So DJ Khaled bringing his baby on as a, young, as a oh producer has gotten him some records. Them and their matching outfits. That baby is so cute. He's going to grow up to be such an asshole because he is going to have everything. <laughs> like he's going to be spoiled yeah. rotten. Yep. Uh, but how could you say no to DJ Khaled? He's so great. And then albums, okay? Record-breaking albums. So um, the most number one singles from one album, Michael Jackson's Bad in 1987, okay. had five number one singles, as did Katy Perry's Teenage Dream in 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, several other artists have had four number one singles from one album, including Whitney Houston's 1987, Whitney, George Michael's 1987, Faith, Paula Abdul's 1988, Forever Your Girl, Janet Jackson's 1989, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, a.k.a. just Rhythm Nation. Yeah. Um, and Mariah Carey's 1990, Mariah Carey, and also Usher's 2004 Confessions. Mm-hmm. Also, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack in 1977 had four number one singles. Oh, yeah. I can mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. 
Most top 10 singles from one album with seven top 10 singles. Michael Jackson, Thriller, 1982. Oh, yeah, of course. Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, 1984. Great album. Janet Jackson with Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814. Great album. Um, all of her songs actually, all of these songs actually made it to the top five. Oh, which wow. Was really, okay. really cool. And Drake, Scorpion, 2018. Mm-hmm. So, word about Scorpion. It was released on June 29th, 2018. It's Drake's fifth studio album and is a double album consisting of 25 tracks. On the July 14th, 2018 Hot 100 chart, all 25 of his songs from that album were listed on the Hot 100. So a quarter of the top 100 were Drake songs. Were Drake songs all from one album. All from one album. Um, in its first day of release, Scorpion broke Spotify's one-day global record for album streams with 132.45 million streams. What? More than 50 million plays greater than the previous record, which was set by Post Malone's Beer Bongs and Bentleys two months earlier. Really? Um, this also broke Apple Music's single-day record with 170 million streams, breaking Drake's own record that he had set with More Life. Drake also still had two previous songs on the Hot 100 what? list. <laughs> So this means he had 27 songs on the Hot 100 all at once. That's out of control. 27% of the Hot 100 was Drake. That's crazy. I, I don't know. If you want to learn more about Drake, you can check out the Mr. Information episode from, from last April, April 1st, yep. 2018, mm-hmm. um, in which one of the Mr.'s information spoke <laughs> at length about Drake. Um, and the record holder for female artists with most simultaneous entries on the Hot 100 is Cardi B with 13 on oh, the wow. April 21st, 2018 chart. So okay. the, your record breakers are Drake and Cardi B. All right. The most number one albums on the Billboard 200. So if you remember, Billboard 200 is the, mm-hmm. is the chart that tracks albums. Um, the most number one albums on that, the Beatles had 19, Jay-Z had 14, Barbara Streisand and Bruce Springsteen both had 11, and Elvis Presley had 10. Uh, note about Babs, uh, Barbara Streisand is the only artist to have number one albums in six decades. In each of six decades. What? Her first was the 1964 album People, and her most recent was the 2016 album Encore, Movie Partners Sing Broadway. Um, A few weeks shy of 52 years between the two, both hitting number one. Holy cow. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, So the most top 10 albums on the Billboard 200, the Rolling Stones had 37, Barbara Mm -hmm. Streisand had 34, and there's a tie with 32 between the Beatles and Frank Sinatra. Most weeks at number one on the Billboard 200. For 54 weeks, the soundtrack to West Side Story in 1962, 1963. I can sing every word. Oh, my God. Here we go. For 37 weeks, Michael Jackson's Thriller, 1983-1984. And for 31 weeks, we had Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, 1977 and 1978. Also, the soundtrack to South Pacific... In 1958 to 1959, what? and Harry Belafonte's Calypso, 1956, oh, 1957. Right. So the rumors, South Pacific, and Calypso were all 31 weeks at number one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The most weeks total on the Billboard 200 charts. Okay. <sighs> I'm trying to figure out if it's more impressive if I go from the bottom up. Um, for 399 weeks, okay, we had Nirvana's Nevermind and sure. Bruno Mars' Doo-Wops and Hooligans. Yeah. Good. Album. For 417 weeks. We had Eminem, Curtain Call, The Hits. Oh, wow. Okay. For 450 weeks, we had Guns N' Roses' Greatest Hits. For 507 weeks, Metallica's album, Metallica. 
For 536 weeks, we had Journey with Journey's Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. For 546 weeks, we had Bob Marley and the Whalers, Legend. Oh, wow. Okay. And for 937 no. weeks. That's so long. I don't even know how many years that is. That's so many years. 937 weeks. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, that makes sense. That was a very seminal album. 937 weeks on the Billboard 200 That's crazy. chart. That's crazy. That's like everybody and their brother listening to that album on repeat. Yeah. Forever. For years. <laughs> which they probably did. All right. And then the top 10 albums of all time from the Billboard 200. I'll count down from this one, too. Please, yeah, that's um, Number 10 album of all time. Um, and these were last updated in 2015. Okay. So this okay. is not... This Doesn't is not include Desperado. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Number 10 of all time, Carol King, Tapestry, 1971. Oh, great Love album. album. Oh, that's so my mom's good. favorite album. It's my mom's favorite album. <gasps> oh, my God. Uh, number nine. This is awful. Number nine. Nickelback, All the Right Reasons, no. 2005. Boo! Beat out Carol King's tapestry. Oh, it's a shame. Number eight of all time, the soundtrack to Dr. Zhivago, 1966. Really? Yeah. Huh. Number seven, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, Ugh. 1995. Great album. Number six, Garth Brooks, Rope in the Wind, 1991. All right. Yeah, it's great. That's a great album. Okay. Uh, number five, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, mm-hmm. 1984. Yep. Number four, and again, this last update was in 2015. Number four, Taylor Swift, Fearless, 2008. Okay. I think a couple of her other albums have broken this record. Yeah. Since. Yep. I so think I'd 1989 be interested to see they're updated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, number three of all time, Michael Jackson's Thriller, 1983. Sure. Number two of all time, The Soundtrack to the Sound of Music, 1965. Wow. Okay. And then finally, number one, Our Girl. Yours and mine. Uh-oh. Adele. Oh! Her album 21 from 2011. That was a good album. Yeah. Number one album of all time. That's amazing. Good yeah. for her. She seems like a nice person, too. Yes. She's sweet. Yes. So, related. Mm-hmm. Separate from Billboard is the Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA. Yes. So mm-hmm. they're the trade organization that represents the recording industry in the U.S. And its members consist of record labels and distributors, which the RIA says create, manufacture, and or distribute approximately 85% of all legally sold recorded music in the U.S. Holy cow. Formed in 1952, originally to administer recording copyright fees, work with trade unions, and do research relating to the record industry and government re- regulations. The RIAA is responsible for certifying gold and platinum albums and singles in the u.s so the riaa riaa i'm just gonna keep saying it like that very hard riaa operates an award program for albums that sell a large number of copies so the original gold and silver record awards were presented to artists by their own record companies to publicize their sales achievements Mm. the riaa award program originally began in 1958 with a gold award for singles and albums that reached one million dollars in sales in march 1958 the riaa certified its first gold record Perry Como's single, Catch a Falling Star. Oh, catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. Never let it fade away. Wow, that came out of nowhere. That was the very first gold record, Perry Como's Catch a Falling Star. Okay. The Oklahoma soundtrack was certified as the first gold album four months later. So the whole album, Oklahoma. The criterion was changed in 1975 to the number of copies sold with albums selling 500,000 copies awarded the gold award. 
1976, a platinum award was added for one million sales. Oh, geez. In 1976, RIA introduced the platinum certification, first awarded to the Eagles compilation album, Their Greatest Hits, 1971 and 1975, in February 1976, and to Johnny Taylor's single, Disco Lady, in April 1976. (laughs) First platinum single, Johnny Taylor, Disco Lady. Disco Lady. In 1989, new criteria were introduced with a gold award for singles that reached a half a million in sales. And as music sales increased with the introduction of compact discs, the RIAA created the Multi-Platinum Award in 1984. Um, Diamond Awards, honoring those artists whose sales of singles or albums reached 10 million copies, were introduced in 1999. And in most countries, certifications no longer apply solely to physical media, but also digital downloads. So... For album certification, in February 2016, RIAA updated its certification criteria for albums to include streaming and track sales using the formula for album equivalent unit. So gold is a half a million units. Platinum is one million units. Multi-platinum is two million or more units, which Mm -hmm. are increments of one million thereafter. And diamond is 10 million units. For certification purposes, each unit may be one of the following. The sale of a digital album or physical album. Okay. 10 track downloads from the album. Or... 1,500 on-demand audio and or video streams from the album. So YouTube oh. counts, Spotify counts, Apple Music counts. Like, they, like they're like they not counting every time you stream a track as sure. a unit, but for 1,500 times that people stream this track, it counts. Oh, wow. It's, yeah, it's that's interesting. Interesting. Okay. Just... Just some more. That's Bear fine. With me. No, I'm the loving this. The 10 best-selling album of all time. So okay. these aren't necessarily like they charted the best, like like the Billboard did. They just made the a lot of money. The 10 best-selling albums of all time, okay. according to the number of total certified copies. So this is what they have. The RIA has certified this. There might have been bootlegs. There might have been sure. you know people selling stuff on the street. But number one of all time, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Sure. With 47.3 million certified oh copies. God. Followed by number two, Eagles, their greatest hits, 1971 and 1975. Eagles, Hotel California. Jeez. Shania Twain, Come On Over. Led Zeppelin with Led Zeppelin 4. Led Zeppelin IV. Yeah, what are four. They, what do the Zeppelins right. call it? Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> Whitney Houston and Various with the Bodyguard soundtrack is oh. the sixth best-selling album of them all time. So good. Then Fleetwood Mac Rumors, mm. ACDC Back in Black, mm. Adele 21, and Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. Awesome. The five best-selling physical singles of all time. First is Bing Crosby's White Christmas in 1942. There's been 50 million singles of White Christmas. It's a classic. Yes. Yeah. So that's your best-selling single song of all time is Bing Crosby's White Christmas, followed by Elton John's Candle in the Wind, Mm -hmm. 1997. Bing Crosby's Silent Night in 1935, December 3. Bill Haley and his Comets, Rock Around the Clock, 1954. Mm, That guy murdered his wife. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I don't know sure. anything about this. Oh, I'm going to do a topic on Bill Haley. Yeah. <laughs> and then number five, we have Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, mm. 1992. Great song. 20 million copies. Also with 20 million are Elvis Presley's It's Now or Never mm. and USA for Africa, We Are the World. Oh, that song. And then finally, the five best-selling digital singles of all time. Okay. I'll count them down. Number five, Mark Ronson with Bruno Mars' Uptown Funk. Sure. 20 million. I bought it. Okay. Number four, the Chainsmokers Smoo- Chain <laughs> featuring Hosey. Closer. 2016. Yep. 20.7 million. Number three, Wiz Khalifa with Charlie Puth, See You Again in 2015 is 20.9 million. That song sucks. Number two, Despacito, 24.3 million. Of course. And bringing it all back to the beginning. 
your number one best-selling digital single of all time with 26.6 million copies, Ed Sheeran, The Shape of You. Oh, my God. Ah! I just hate it. I just hate him. Do you remember there was a short period of time where you and I were just sending each other increasingly (laughs) zoomed-in pictures of Ed Sheeran (laughs) to each other with no no context? Yep. That's that was good. fun and also horrifying because yep. I liked sending it to you, but getting it from you was not, <laughs> you didn't was like not I did back. not like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it didn't last very long. <sighs> that was great. So there's a lot of information, but as of November, 2018, it's all accurate. I don't see <laughs> any of these, you know, anything current breaking these records, but yeah, yeah you never know. Drake never might know. come out with another, another album, apparently <laughs> 27 songs on I the hot 100. It's crazy. It's that's crazy. crazy. All right. Your quiz tonight is called Artist or Title. This is a quiz on English artists and British orders of chivalry. Oh, my God. Question one. While he may not be the heir to a family fortune, this English artist has made his own way in the world, becoming the UK's wealthiest living artist. He hit it big in the 1990s with a series of works of dead animals preserved in formaldehyde, and later he bedazzled a human skull with 8,601 diamonds. Who is this death-obsessed artist? Question number two. The most ancient and most noble order of the thistle is the order of chivalry associated with what country where the thistle is the national flower? Question three. You may not have realized it, but the living artist renowned for his depictions of sunny California swimming pools is from England. Well-known paintings of his include Peter getting out of Nick's pool, a bigger splash, and day pool with three blues. Name this artist. Question four. This order of chivalry established in 1818 is presently awarded to men and women who hold high office or who render important diplomatic services in a foreign country. This honor, with two military saints in its title, is named for St. Michael and which patron saint of England? Question five. It's a good thing this painter shortened his signature by using initials for his first three names. Otherwise, most of his scenes from antiquity and violent seascapes would have been covered with letters. Broadcast this fact to your brain. If anyone says English romantic landscape painter, you should immediately recall what name. Question six. Ooh, isn't this club rather exclusive? Abbreviated OM. What chivalric order is limited to 24 living members and has thus been described as the most prestigious honor one can receive on planet Earth? Question seven. The only boy in a family full of women, this English painter and writer is arguably the lesser known sibling of three sisters who published works under the pseudonyms Kerber, Ellis, and Acton Bell. In fact, around 1834, he created a portrait of him with his three sisters and later painted himself out of it. Who was this 19th century portraitist? Question eight. The oldest documented order of chivalry in the United Kingdom, dating to the 14th century, is the most noble order of the what? Though the word in question may have declined in popularity as an everyday fashion accessory, you can count on its appearance at weddings or perhaps in boudoir photos. Question 9. Exit through the where? This anonymous English-based street artist made headlines in October 2018 when his famed art piece, Girl with Balloons, self-destructed immediately after the auction ended in London. Of course, after the piece sold for $1.4 million. Who is the secretive master of spray paint and stencils? And finally, question 10. All of those British actors who've also been knighted, they're members of the most excellent order of the British Empire, which has five classes of appointments to honor contributions to arts, science, politics, industry, and religion. So tell me, which appointment abbreviation is ranked the highest? GBE, KBE, CBE, or DBE? 
give you about a minute to think. I'll be back with your answers. feeling pretty good about this. I knew, I knew you would. I'm feeling pretty good. All right. Here All we right. Go. Uh, question one. While he may not be the heir to a family fortune, this English artist made his own way in the world, becoming the UK's wealthiest living artist. He hit it big in the 90s with a series of works of dead animals preserved in formaldehyde, and later he bedazzled a human skull with 8,601 diamonds. Who is this death-obsessed artist? Ugh, it's Damien Hirst. It is Damien Hirst. Oh, that guy is such a hack. <laughs> Um, so he was born in 1965, and in September 2008, Hearst made an unprecedented move for a living artist by selling a complete show called Beautiful Inside My Head Forever at Sotheby's by auction and some bypassing his long-standing galleries. The auction raised 111 million pounds. That was $198 million, breaking the record for a one-artist auction, as well as Hearst's own record, with 10.3 million pounds for the golden calf, which was an animal with 18-carat gold horns and hooves preserved in formaldehyde. What? Yeah. um, I get it. He's making, like, a comment about commerce and, like, art being sold and blah 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 But it's just... It's just exhausting. Exhausting. It's exhausting. I have seen his um, shark preserved, his preserved uh-huh. shark, because it's in the permanent collection at the Met. Okay, and it is very cool to see. Okay, but it's as cool to see as like something very similar in like a science museum. Yeah, like it's not. Mm, I don't know. I have a lot of opinions about Damien Hirst, and I'm sure other people do too. But he's kind of a. Meh. Kind of I guess head. yeah. When I think of like skulls, modern like contemporary artists mm-hmm. and skulls. I think of Damien Hirst. Yeah, exactly. Question two. The most ancient and most noble order of the thistle is the order of chivalry associated with what country where the thistle is the national flower? That's Scotland. It is Scotland. Uh, The current version of the order was founded in 1687 by King James VII of Scotland, a.k.a. James II of England and Ireland. And the order consists of the sovereign, a.k.a. the queen, and 16 knights and ladies, as well as certain extra knights. Um, The sovereign alone grants membership to the order, and they are not advised by the government, as occurs with most other orders. Interesting. So if if you're from Scotland and you're pretty cool, Maybe you get to be in this. Cool. <laughs> Question three. You may not have realized it, but the living artist renowned for his depictions of sunny California swimming pools is from England. Well-known paintings of his include Peter getting out of Nick's pool, a bigger splash, and day pool with three blues. Name this artist. Is it, I don't know, is it Edward Hopper? No, but you're like close. Am I ho- close? Is it Bledward <laughs> Chopper? I think Edward wow. Hopper's dead. This guy's Edward still Hopper alive. Oh, then no, I don't know. Who. David Hockney. Oh, David Hockney. Hockney. I didn't know David Hockney was still alive. Still alive. 
Um, so his portrait of an artist pool with two figures went on the auction block on November 15th, 2018 at Christie's where it was estimated to sell for more than $80 million. Oh my God. Like breaking the record basically for a painting by a living artist oh my at gosh. auction. Question four. This order of chivalry established in 1818 is presently awarded to men and women who hold high office or who render important diplomatic services in a foreign country. This honor, with two military saints in its title, is named for St. Michael and which patron saint of England? Is that St. George? It is St. George. This is the order of St. Michael and St. George. Very straightforward. St. George was a Roman soldier of Greek origin and a member of the Praetorian Guard for Roman Emperor Diocletian, who was sentenced to death for refusing to recant his Christian faith. And he became one of the most venerated saints and megalomartyrs in Christianity and was especially venerated by the Crusaders. And he was one of the most prominent military saints and is immortalized in the legend of St. George and the Dragon. Megalomartyrs? Megalomartyrs. That's such a good word. It's a good band name. Yeah. Question five. It's a good thing this painter shortened his signature by using initials for his first three names. Otherwise, most of his scenes from antiquity and violent seascapes would have been covered with letters. Broadcast this fact to your brain. If anyone says English romantic landscape painter, you should immediately recall what name. Is that J.M.W. Turner? It is J.M.W. Turner. Joseph Malord William Turner um, was intensely private, eccentric, and reclusive. He was a controversial figure throughout his career. He never married, but did father two daughters by his housekeeper, Sarah mm-hmm. Danby. Yep. Uh, he left behind more than 550 oil paintings, 2,000 watercolors, and 30,000 paperworks. He is yep. today regarded as having elevated landscape painting to an eminence rivaling history painting. So quick thing. No, I have thoughts about J.M.W. Turner. Incredible painter. Incredible to see in person. There is a painting at the Met. It's called Slave Ship. It is about a slave ship mm, that mm-hmm. sank in the sea. It's a real. It's based on a true story. But the light in that painting and the, the boiling sea and there's like arms and legs, like people being drowned and like chains and things. It's gorgeous and yeah. heartbreaking. And right. I fangirled over it when I saw it mm. because I didn't expect it. I like turned a corner. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, talking to a friend. And then there it was this most beautiful painting in person. And I actually had my friend take my picture in front of it, which is like <laughs> so dumb because it's, you're not like, yeah, it's never going to look the way it does in real life, but mm-hmm. it's just such a gorgeous piece. It's so impactful. Like you can smell the salt of the sea in oh. that painting. It's so gorgeous. Anyway. Yeah. JMW Great painter, Great maybe painter. a jerk, but yeah. Question six. Ooh, isn't this club rather exclusive? Abbreviated OM. What chivalric order is limited to 24 living members and has thus been described as the most prestigious honor one can receive on planet Earth? Uh, uh, the order of the matrilineal i don't know what is it you're so close is it matt matt the order of the mermaid order of the, the order of the mermaid <laughs> it's what is the it? order of merit order of merit om oh, order geez, of merit that's so boring i know <laughs> um it recognizes distinguished service in the armed forces science art literature or for the promotion of culture it was established in 1902 by king edward the seventh the great grandfather of queen elizabeth the mm. second upon admission into the order of merit members are entitled to use the post nominal letters om and are entrusted with the badge of the order which is a golden crown from which is suspended a red enameled cross what? itself centered by a disc of blue enamel surrounded by a laurel wreath and bears in gold lettering the words for merit <laughs> The most recent appointee in December 2015 was inventor and industrial designer Sir James Dyson. You know, of the Dyson vacuum. Are you serious? He is a member of the Order of the Merit, the most exclusive 
uh, group in the world. Also a member, artist David Hockney. Oh, yeah. We just mentioned. And the inventor of the World Wide Web, Tim Berners-Lee. Oh, yes. Steve knows him. Like you met him? I think so. Or like he like would come over for family dinners. Uh, I think the <laughs> former. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Everybody loves Tim Berners-Lee. TBO. <laughs> Anybody call him that? I guess. I don't know. I, you'll have to ask Steve if he calls him that. <laughs> if he like gives him a call every so often and calls him TML. <laughs> Question seven. The only boy in a family full of women, this English painter and writer is arguably the lesser known sibling of three sisters who published works under the pseudonyms Currer, Ellis, and Acton Bell. In fact, around 1834, he created a portrait of him with his three sisters and later painted himself out of it. Who was this 19th century portraitist? I'm having a hard time with this first name. Is it uh-huh. Charles Bronte? No. His last name is Bronte. Yes, I do know that. I think I could accept Bronte under um, okay. Jeopardy rules. His name is Branwell. Branwell. I wasn't going to get yeah, that. Branwell Bronte. Uh, Branwell, after being refused by a mistress, declined into chronic alcoholism, opiates, Ooh. and debt. Oh, my God. And his behavior horrified his sisters, Charlotte, Emily, and Anne Bronte. As it would. He managed to set his own bed on fire. What? And after that, his father slept in the same bed as him for the safety of the family. At age 31, he died of tuberculosis, aggravated by his alcoholism and laudanum and opiate addictions in 1848. Oh, my God. Branwell, get it together. Uh, That same year, Emily Bronte died of tuberculosis, and Anne Bronte died from tuberculosis in May 1849. Charlotte, the last living sister, married the Reverend Arthur Bell Nichols, who was the curate of Haworth in 1854, and she died in March 1855 due to pregnancy complications. So this whole family is just, just very weak and fragile. And weak and fragile. Tuberculosis. It's a scourge. Just, <laughs> took them all out. Mm. But Brainwell had his own problems. Yeah, you sure did. Wow. Question eight. The oldest documented order of chivalry in the United Kingdom, dating to the 14th century, is the most noble order of the what? Though the word in question may have declined in popularity as an everyday fashion accessory, you can count on its appearance at weddings or perhaps in boudoir photos. Uh, The order of the garter. Yes, the garter. The order's emblem is a garter with the motto, Oni soit qui mal pense, which is Middle French for shame on him who thinks ill of it in gold lettering. Members of the order wear it on ceremonial occasions, and membership is strictly limited, including the monarch, the Prince of Wales, not more than 24 companion members, but it does allow for various like extra members of the group, and the oh, monarch okay. alone can grant membership. Question nine, exit through the where? This anonymous England-based street artist made headlines in October 2018 when his famed art piece Girl with the Balloon self-destructed immediately after the auction ended in London. Of course, after the piece sold for $1.4 million. Who is the secretive master of spray paint and stencils? That is Banksy. Yes. Do you know who he is? I don't. No. There's no. been many much <laughs> speculation. Um, some suggestions include someone named Robin Gunningham. Um, some of his former associates and schoolmates at the public Bristol Cathedral School have corroborated this rumor. And in 2016, a study found that the incidence of Banksy's works correlated with the known movements of Robin Gunningham. Ooh. Also suggested Robert Del Naha, who's the frontman of the trip hop band Massive Attack. Yes, I've heard that rumor. Del Naha had been a graffiti artist during the 1980s prior to forming the band and had previously been identified as a personal friend of Banksy. Also suggested Jamie Hewlett, an English comic book artist and designer best known for the comic Tank Girl and oh. for the virtual band Gorillas. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so weird. And then finally, someone named Pierre uh, Kuk- Kukian, 
Um, among a storm of controversy surrounding the shredded painting at the Sotheby's auction, Kukyan, an artist, was an eyewitness to the shredding and said very enthusiastically, this is a turning point in the history of contemporary and conceptual art. What he did is really shocking in a good way. I think it will be historic and people will talk for a long time about it. His enthusiasm while making the claims, his admittance to having met Banksy and the nature of his work has been seen as this artist is a possible candidate to the identity of Banksy. I mean... Uh, what, the first time I saw that video, I was like, oh my God, that's worth so much more money now. That guy got a deal, yeah. whoever bought that. Yeah. Because that's like, I mean, it's it's an, it's evidence of Banksy's like mischievousness. Yes. And that's exactly what people are buying. Like, yeah. The, so, I mean, it was, it was exactly, he played into the art market very well, whether on purpose or not. Do you think his stuff would be as like... Uh, f- as monetarily valuable if his identity was revealed? I don't know. That's interesting. Because his, his whole thing is like he's a guerrilla artist and mm-hmm. no one knows his identity and all this stuff. So I think when you buy his art, you're buying like the whole package. Package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of like, who is he? And he's so like, mm-hmm. you know, subversive and he's like all over the place. And remember, he he sold his original work outside the Met yeah. for like six weeks or something for like 20 bucks a pop. So yeah. there are people all over New York and like, um, tourists and things who own an original Banksy yeah. and they don't even know it. Um, so he, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, when you, when it's worth like $1.5 million or whatever, <laughs> you're buying into like the whole thing. Yeah. That That's whole story. Yeah. It's cool. It's weird. And then finally, question 10. All those British actors who've also been knighted, they're members of the most excellent order of the British Empire, which has five classes of appointments to honor contributions to the arts, science, politics, industry, and religion. So tell me, which appointment abbreviation is ranked the highest? GBE, KBE, CBE, or DBE? Um, I'm going to say KBE. Okay. The highest is GBE. Oh. It's for the um, the Knight Grand Cross or the Dame Grand Cross of the most okay. excellent order of the British Empire. KBE and DBE stand for Knight Commander or Dame Commander of the most excellent order of the British Empire, okay. which is second highest. And the others are CBE for Commander, OBE for Officer, and MBE for Member. Okay. So GBE is the highest. Huh. Lots of things. Good to know. Lots Thank of you. That was a good quiz. Thanks. Um, if you want to hear more of us, um, or more things about trivia, you can <laughs> check us out. We're on iTunes slash Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, and whatever podcast app you prefer with our RSS feed. Sure. We also have a website, www.missinfopod.com. And you can stream us from www.missinfopod.com. Um, you can also contact us if you'd like. We are, uh, missinfopod at gmail.com. Uh, we are also on Twitter at us at Miss Infopod, and uh, we also have a Facebook page, Misinformation Colon, a trivia podcast. Please send us a message, send us an email. We're always happy to hear from our listeners. Yes, thank you. And um, send us your way some listener submitted trivia mm-hmm. or any um, interesting tidbits that you like to share. Um, so that's it for now. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time, I guess. Bye. Bye. <laughs> And then finally, XXX Tentacion died in June 2018. And that same month, the song Sad! Exclamation point was number one. His name name is Extension. (laughs) It's just Extension. (laughs) 
It's just extension. It's uh. it's not XXX tension. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't apparently look like pronounce it. it extension. Because I the only way I know this was because I was on after he died. There was like some article, and in the comments, someone was like, "How do you even say that name?" And someone was like, "It's just extension. It's just a dumb XXX tension. <laughs> tension." We are not laughing about his death at all. No, but we are laughing about his name. That's okay. <laughs> Which Lauren says is extension. <laughs> Song sad exclamation point mm. number one. X X X Oh, you're right. You are right. <laughs> <laughs> it was X X X Lauren would like to redact her previous <laughs> I'm comment. I'm redacting. I'm redacting. Thank you for okay. Thank you for the vulture article that that clarified everything. XXX tentacion. <laughs> All right, good to know. 